take your Bibles to 1 Kings chapter 18. Hold it there for a few minutes. We'll get there. Um, I want to set this up before we roll into the message. What is, what is life all about? What is the big picture of what, what am I here for? What do I do? I mean, what, we'll say like, go to church. Let me tell you, your mission in life is bigger than going to church. And say, seeing people saved. There's a bigger mission in life than even seeing people saved. And you're like, yeah, let me get there. And say, there's, there's more than ministry and all these other things. You realize that all of those things come together to make up one big thing. That is the glory of God. Everything that we do is for the glory of God. Seeing people saved, worshiping God, preaching the word of God, living right, all these things is for one main reason. That is for the glory of God. Now, I know we say that. We've, I, I've grown up in church. A lot of you have been in church. We sing the songs and talk about the glory of God. But the question is, if we were to stop and say, what is the glory of God? If I don't even know what it is, how do I know that I'm giving God glory? How am I asking for the glory of God if I don't even know what the glory of God is? If it is so important that everything wraps around that principle of the glory of God, it is vital that we understand what is the glory of God. You realize that is the reason that you exist. Isaiah 43 verse 7, Even everyone that is called by my name, for I have created him for my glory. I have formed him, yea, I have made him. So we ask, what is the glory of God? Before we get into 1 Kings to get the application of this, I want, I want to just give you kind of a little doctrinal study. What is the glory of God? What is it all about? We read about this all the time in the Bible. The Bible says in 1 Chronicles 16, 24, declare his glory among the heathen. Something so powerful that, that is called the glory of God. I have a responsibility to those that don't know Jesus Christ to point to something of God called his glory. That that is my job. That is my responsibility. That is why I'm existing, to declare his glory. His marvelous works among the nations, to declare it, means to command it. It literally means to point to it, to praise, to sing, to shout, to share, to post. Everything that I'm doing, I'm doing for the edification of the glory of God. The Old Testament, the word glory in the Hebrew meant the weight or the volume of his greatness. It literally means the all-encompassing of all of the characteristics, all of the things that we know of God. His loving, His kindness, His salvation, His justice, His, his mercy, his, all of these attributes of God. Everything that we know, His beauty, is wrapped up in one giant thing called the glory of God. If I was to say, hey, there, there is a tire and there's a, a seat and there's a motor and there's a transmission. You say, what do you have when you bring all that together? It's a car, it's a vehicle. It's the same thing if I was to wrap up everything that I know of the greatness of God and the qualities of God, and I was to give God one name that described everything, it would be the glory of God. It's his glory. It's everything that he is wrapped up in one statement. In the New Testament, the word in Greek is doxa. That word means to praise or to exalt or to acknowledge or to point to. It literally means every time we praise, my whole life, I'm, I, when I stand in the presence of the glory of God, when I experience his goodness, his answered prayer, his, his beauty of uh, what the things that he's done in this life, it is the glory of God. Let me illustrate this. See, the glory of God is the visible aspects of all these things. Now, I can sit there and say God is great. God is a creator. God is a healer. God is marvelous. God is good. I can say all of those things and everybody's going to be looking around saying, well, where is it? Okay, 
I'm like, that sounds great. That sounds, you know, because I'll be honest. They, they, they pray and say those things about Allah. They say those things about false gods. They will, they'll sit there and say, Allah is a great God and Allah can do this. You know what's different about Allah and my God? My God is alive. That's the difference between that God. I hope that doesn't offend you because I'm only preaching the truth. I'm telling you and I'm, I'm speaking about the true God. But when the Bible says that, that, that the glory of God is the visible, or the visible manifestation, the outward presentation of everything that we say from the word of God. I can read it, but let me tell you this about the glory of God. I don't just read it, I can see it. The Bible declares, and the Bible talks about the glory of God. The Bible gives us an illustration that heavens declare the glory of God and his firmament showeth his handiwork. I can say all day that God is powerful, but let me show you. If I show you a sunrise or a sunset, if I take you and show you the northern lights or I show you a mountainside, if I show you these things and you see all these things, you sit there and we're awestruck. Where did that come from? Did man make that? Did that come from a big bang? Absolutely not. We'd have to be lost in the clouds to be able to imagine something that we could create but just by a big bang. No, all of those things declare the glory of God. It is something that only God can do. Amen. It is the power of God. He spoke those words into existence. Go back to Genesis 1 and 2. God literally said, he said it and it came into being and it was good. You know why? Because God has the power to do that. The heavens declare, it showed what God is and it made itself visible to us around us. Say, what does that have to do with me? You were created to do more than even sunrises and sunsets. You were created by God to do way more than mountainscapes and and, and, and ocean waves and all the things that we see around us. Our mission is to glorify God. Do you realize in everything that we have in life, whatever you face, you say, what is my job tomorrow? I'm going to tell you, your job tomorrow is to glorify God. Now, what does that mean to glorify God? Because the Bible says, whether therefore you eat or you drink or whatsoever you do, you do all to the glory of God. Have you ever noticed? He said, I don't care if it's you eating a rich cracker. You do it for the glory of God. It's not just about building churches. It's not just about going on mission trips. It's not just about praise and worship services. Whether therefore you eat or you drink or whatever you do, you do to the glory of God. The the, the Bible explains it like this. It's, It's our mission. If the glory of God is the greatness of God, and my job is to give him glory, my job is constantly to point to God who God is. I am in every circumstance in my life to glorify or to lift up Jesus Christ or to lift up my God. I'm constantly pointing out who he is and what he does. I seek for his healing. You know why? He's a healer. I seek for his presence. You know why? Because my God is always there. I seek for his, for his power because my God created everything, and my God can show up in church services. He can show up in dead marriages. He can show up in addictions. He can set the captives free. That's who my God is. But my job as a Christian is constantly to point to the glory of God. To point to who he is. You realize the Bible says, oh, magnify the Lord with me. Have you ever used a magnifying glass and you put it on something? And that magnifying glass, that's what I am. I'm a magnifying glass for the glory of God. In every situation, I'm constantly pointing out who God is and what he can do. I, I'm going to make it aware. I'm going, I'm going to allow the world, the heathen around me or the world around me to be able to look through my life and to be able to see God in a big way. That is what I do. It is, it's a choice. 
in every situation. I'm, and I, and I, I know I talk about our situation, our journey with Logan and, and everything that we've been through. And, I, and I'll, I don't know your situation, so all I can do is give you my illustration of what I've been through. But at the very beginning, I, I, I had this thought. Everything is for the glory of God. God's going to get the glory. Let me tell you this. God will get the glory because everything's for his glory. God's going to get the glory. And I think in some situations when we don't give God the glory, he'll get the glory. I'm not making application of that, but just let me tell you. If God, if we're going to hold back the glory, but I thought, God, in my situation, every step of every day, you're not going to have to take the glory because I'm going to give it to you. In every situation, I'm going to constantly pointing to God. I'm going to be lifting up my voice. I'm going to be lifting him up. Because the Bible says the word, oh, magnify. The word magnify means to boast or brag about it. Oh, magnify the Lord with me. And let us exalt his name together. Let, let me tell you who he is and that he's a provider. Let me exalt it. Let me sing, praise it. But the, you know how the Bible says to do it among the heathen? Because we're good about doing it among the Christians. You know what I'm talking about? We're, we're good to come in here and like, holy, holy, thou art worthy, God almighty. You know, we, we, we sing and we pray and we do that because it's comfortable. Well, let me tell you, it's time that Christians step into the lost world. We begin to magnify the God and point to who he is. You say, why do we need to do that? Because the world around us doesn't know who God is. They're in a desperate condition. They're desperately looking. They're desperately wanting truth. The Bible says, let your light so shine before men. That they might see your good works and do what? Glorify the, uh, your Father which is in heaven. You realize that it's contagious. When all of a sudden I'm going through life and I'm constantly pointing to the one that has the answers. And I walk into an ICU or I walk into a hospital room and they're sitting there saying, we don't have answers. I have a responsibility as a Christian to point up and say, I know who does. I know who does. You know what the beauty of that is? When I do that, I'm accomplishing the purpose of what that situation is for. Right. Think about it. If that, whether therefore you eat or drink or whatever you do, do all to the glory of God, I'm able to exalt and point to the one because God will even use tough situations that are complicated to be able to show that God does the impossible. God does these things. Ask the question. How is God going to use this to bring him glory? In every situation that we face, in everything that we face in life. Matthew 19, 26 says, But Jesus beheld them and said unto them, With this it is impossible. I, 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 I have that saved in my phone. I have it in my prayer list. I, I, I read that verse almost every single day. Because the fact is, God wants to be glorified through situations that man says is impossible. Do you guys hear me? We're talking about the glory of God. I'm spelling out that God's describing and saying, let me tell you what the glory of the bigness of the greatness of God looks like. Man will come to you and say things like, I don't know if chemotherapy is going to work on your son's cancer. We're going to try it, but don't get your hopes up because we have no idea what kind of cancer he is. But when it begins to abolish and kill that cancer in my son's body, do you know who gets the glory for that? God gets all the glory for that. You know why? Because God is doing what man cannot do. God is doing the impossible. That's why he said, with some things, men will say this is impossible. With God, all things are possible. But you realize the world around us doesn't know that God because not enough Christians are pointing to that God. Because we've lost concept that this world is all about the glory of God. 
Have you ever wondered, and let me just give you an illustration to apply this, of why, where everything is for the glory of God. Have you ever wondered why when somebody's going through a hard time and I keep getting up saying, hey, I want everybody possible praying for Logan. I want people praying, please pray. And a lot of you are praying and sharing and getting other people to pray. But have you ever wondered why? Is God up in heaven saying, all right, Gabriel, how many people are praying for Logan right now? God, the Leutzos have their tally up to about 600. I don't do miracles unless it's 700. Keep driving up that number. It's, God's, God doesn't work that way. But then you sit there and say, then why are you saying to get so many people to pray? You, you realize the Bible says in Matthew, when he was talking about pray, when you pray, enter into a closet. When thou hast shut the door, pray to thy Father which is in secret. Thy Father would pray, or when you pray in secret, will reward thee openly. You know what that is? There's power in just your prayer. Just in the wine. But you see, if I'm sitting there and I'm going to cry out to God and I'm going to say, God, I know who you are. I know your character. I'm pointing to your glory. I'm going to, I, mean, I, I know that you're a healer. And I know that you can provide every need that we're going to face. And I know that you can give my son health. And I know that you can carry us through this. And I know that you're peace. You know what that is? That's all the attributes of the glory of God. All those things. And Lord, I need you. I need you to carry me. I know that you're the good shepherd. And I know these. But all of a sudden I realize I'm not alone in this. Greg, would you, would you mind praying with me in this? Would you mind? Here we go. This is our prayer, okay? What are, what are we doing? We're pointing to God. That's what we're doing. So all of a sudden now, the people that are in your life, you know what they're doing? They're watching you point to God. Is anybody else in this section praying with me? Will you guys pray with me too? All right, here's what's happening. You realize that your kids, your family, your neighbors are sitting there saying, who is this Logan kid? Oh, it's our pastor's son. He, what, tell me the story or whatever. What are you doing? We're looking to God for this. What are the doctors saying? I'm not really sure. I know, we're just looking to God for this. Is anybody else in the back over here? Are you guys praying there? Okay, will you lift your hands? Is anybody else, will you guys pray with me about this? Does anybody else, you say, this is like junior church. You're okay. You're going to have a little flashback to your childhood, okay? We're praising God. We're looking to God. This is where we get the answers. You guys can put your hands down, but this is what happens in that circumstance. Everybody that is following your Facebook page, everybody that's in your life, your kids are sitting there saying, Dad, what are you doing? Well, son, Logan's sick, and we're looking to God. I said, but Dad, how sick is he? It doesn't matter, son. Let me tell you about the glory of God. Let me tell you about the healer. Let me tell you about who he is. You realize that what we're doing together is we're pointing to the glory of God together. And by God's getting the glory from us, doing it together. Because the more people are pointing, the more people are seeing. Here's the thing. I, don't, I know you guys know this. I, I, I made God a deal. I know you can't make deals with God. I made God a promise. I'll put it that way. As he works in my situation, I will brag on him, brag on him, brag on him, brag on him. Every step of everything that he does. So here's my son's scans. A lot of you have seen it. It's all right. You can see it again. That was July. That is August. And that is the scan that they just did. Right now, that's about half the size. Did you guys hear me? That's about half the size. Can anybody over here that was praying, will you praise God with me? Will everybody over here praise God with me? Say, wait a minute. Now, now we sit there and say, what, what's going on in this room? This is weird. All the people around us, your coworkers, your kids are sitting there saying, Daddy, what are you all excited about? What are you praising God for? See, son, here's the thing. Man said it would be impossible. With God, all things are possible. And all of a sudden, that child is experiencing what? The glory of God. 
they're looking, they're seeing. So when that child gets in, Richard and Maggie were telling me a story about they, how they were stopping when we were going in for those scans. And they were driving down the road, and Gigi was in the back seat. And the appointment was supposed to have been at 11, and it got canceled. One at 30, it got canceled. It was supposed to be at 3, and then it got bumped to 4. So you guys kept hanging on, waiting for us to get answers. Our surgeon was in a surgery. That was an emergency thing and couldn't give us any of the answers. So we're waiting. So they kept stopping as they were traveling all those different times. They'd stop and pray for Logan, stop and pray for Logan, stop and pray for Logan. So Gigi had a boo-boo, and she was sitting in the back, and she looked up at Mommy and Daddy, and she said, can we stop and pray? I don't remember the exact words, but she said, we need to pray, and she lifted up her boo. He said, what is that? She learned by them watching and praying and pointing to God to look to the glory of God for her problems as well. Whether therefore you eat or drink or whatever you do, you do all to the glory of God. It's not about you. It's not about you. God wants to be seen through you. And by the way, what he's doing through you is he'll take a horrible situation and be able to show his loving kindness, faithfulness, and goodness through that to the world around you knows that there's a greater God than all the problems that we face in life. Here's the problem. We don't have enough pointers. We have to have people willing to point. There has to be some, and I'm just help me with this, okay? I don't know a good word. I'm not good with words, okay? So just help me. We need some weirdos, okay? <laughs> I'm going to tell you Elijah was a weirdo. Yes, he, was. he steps into a horrible situation where everybody wanted him dead. And he shows up anyways. He shows up into a mess. He builds an altar, which I, we'll get into the story here and say, he builds an altar. You know what he does with it? When they're they're going to put fire on it or they want fire to come out? He douses it with water over and over and over again. And by the way, they were in the middle of a drought when he did it. He dug a trench around it and filled the trench full of water around it. He said, what was he doing? He, he was a weirdo. I'm just being honest. I'm just saying from the perspective of all the prophets of Baal and everybody standing around, what is he doing what is, what is wrong with these people? What is wrong with these church people? Now, don't they know that they, I, I mean, that this kid is sick. What are, what, they're getting together and raising their hands and pointing. This is reality. This is the real world, okay? Kids get sick. And in the middle of that, there's a weirdo saying, I know we're in the middle of a famine and Elijah was pointing to God. In the middle of Logan's cancer, there's a bunch. In the middle of Jason's cancer, there's, there's people that we're standing there pointing to God. You know when it draws attention on you. But let me tell you, that attention will magnify our God because our God never fails. Did you guys hear me? My God never fails. He never fails. Call upon me in the day of trouble and I will deliver thee and thou shalt glorify me. You say, why, why did we have trouble? God said it, was not, it wasn't a setback, it was a setup so God could show up. That's what it was all about. But a lot of times we're sitting there grumbling and upset and mad and everything. And we're, we're, we, we leave out for God to be able to get the glory through it. Whatever you're dealing with right now, God desires to get the glory. That was my introduction. My message is short. Okay, so, so we'll be okay. I know you guys are thinking, don't you know we have hamburgers in the next room? I got it. We're good. I'm hungry too. First Kings 18, Elijah comes up against the prophets of Baal. The nation of Israel was in a mess. They got into this mess because it was self-inflicted. Their king didn't worship God. His name was Ahab. He marries a wife named Jezebel. Don't name your kids Jezebel. Um, she comes in the situation. She brings in all these lost pagan gods as well. It, it was horrible. So it became a very pagan nation. 
The further they had this that they lifted up, the, the further away the people got. Let me tell you, the further you get away from God, either in church or out of church, let me tell you, there is nothing but failure. God says, without me, you can do nothing. You can't do it without God. No God, dead marriage. No God, dead church. No God, dead youth group. Let me tell you, whatever the situation, if you take God out of it, it dies. Pagan culture. As a result of that, God holds back the rain. It's not that he was a mean God. It's just about uh, you're praying to statues and false gods and Baal to be able to give you what you need. He has no power and ability to do that. So the spiritual application of this is that we also live in a pagan world. We live in, we have a lost leadership. We have people around us that are doing lost things. They are in a desperate situation. They're in a messed up situation. Desolate. Talk about a desert. Man, we'll go spells without seeing a touch of God or the glory of God or anything happening in the world around us. But a weirdo shows up. Elijah decides to glorify God through this. Every situation is different, but I promise you the principles of this are the same. Let me show you this. 450 prophets of Baal and 400 prophets of the groves. And then all the crowds gather around. You say, why did he gather the people together? Declare his glory among the heathen, his marvelous works among all the nations. His testimony or his message was, let me show you something real. You know what the world around us is looking for? Something real. You know what the next generation wants in a church? Something real. They want, they want God to show up. They don't want it just being talk and traditions and pass me down and stories of the Old Testament. Because let me tell you, the same God of Daniel and the same God of this story and of Elijah is the same God that I worship today. So why would I not cry out to the same God that can do the same things? And I'm not talking about, well, let me explain. Let me, let me get into this. And Elijah came unto all the people and said, How long haul you between two opinions? If the Lord be God, follow him. But if, it, if Baal, then follow him. And all the people answered not a word. So here it is that they're just looking for truth. And they all showed up because they wanted this. And I promise you, when the world gets a hold of something real, they, they go on, they chase it. But a lot of times that fades out. You think about drugs and alcohol and pornography and all the things that the world gives you. There, there is something that comes to bring them alive for the moment or give them the high, but it fades out. It's nothing real. And, and I tell you, that can sometimes be in church. We can, we can have hyped up services. We don't need hyped up services. We need the Spirit of God is what we need. The Spirit of God is what convicts. The Spirit of God what opens eyes. The Spirit of God what works in our worship services, in our preaching. That's what we need. He knew this weirdo, this guy shows up that knew that God was more than a story or more than a theory, more than a myth. So he shows up in this desperate situation. So let me show you, first of all, their desperate situation. They were in a drought, barren, desolate, complicated, complicated. You know why it's complicated? Because they were facing something that man could not do. If there was a place that they could go get water and carry it back, they would do that. But they were in a drought. There was no water to get. And by the way, when there's no water, the only place that can give water is heaven. That's it. They were, they were stuck. There was nothing that man could do to produce the power to make this happen. There was nothing. Let them therefore give us two bullocks and let them choose one bullock for themselves, cut it in pieces and lay it on the wood and put no fire under it. And I will dress the other bullock and lay it on the wood and put no fire under it. So why was that? You see, that is what we're talking about. Man can do so much. See, the fire represented the power. If you want to understand the story of Elijah, 
It was about God's presence and power showing up. It wasn't just about the fire coming down from heaven. That fit their application. But our application is uh, we, we don't need fire from heaven to come down and burn up an altar. We don't even work in that way, okay? So we're, we're looking for God to show up or his power to show up in church services and healing and in the presence of revival and those kinds of things. But we still need the presence and power of God. But all through the Bible, it was always demonstrated. The fire was in, in Acts when, the, when God showed up in the Holy Spirit. It says, came as cloven like as fire. When you see the Old Testament, God led them through like as fire. There was always the evidence of the power and the presence of God through fire. That was the glory of God. It was the thing that was invisible becoming visible through the, the, the active presence of what they could see through the fire. So don't put the fire under it. We need God. Not just what man can do. And then you call on the name of your gods. And I'll call on the name of the Lord. And the God that answereth by fire, let him be God. The God that shows up. God that shows up. The God that can show up and do what man cannot do. He's the one that will be God. And all the people answered and said, it is well spoken. And here they go. What were they actually seeking through all this? They were seeking the glory or the presence of their God. We can build church buildings. But we cannot bring the fire. We can get married, but we cannot bring unity. We can have youth groups, but we cannot bring revival. We can have teen camps and all the things that we do. We can have worship services and choir, but that doesn't mean that we can bring conviction. You see, there's only so much that we can build up when it comes to the physical altar that we do, that they did what they could do, but then they had to step back and say, now we need what God and only God can do. Here's the thing, we're good at building altars. We're good at building up the churches. We're, we're, we're good at the chairs and the graphics and the signs and the parking lots and making everything is manicured and the, the logos and all. And I'm not against all those things are necessary to help us move the gospel forward when it comes to these things. But without the, without the power of God, it's empty. It's empty. And, and we can sit there and say, and I, I'll, I'll, I'm going to build this up as I go through this illustration, and this will make sense in a minute, okay? So let me have these illustrate the prophets of Baal versus the prophets of God, okay? And you guys already know where I'm doing with this, so you just like use your imagination. But a lot of times, they're, they're sitting there talking, and we, we, we manufacture those things. You know what I'm saying? It's, they were going there, he said, put no fire on it. Literally, like, if it's going to do something, let God do it, not man do it. And I'll tell you what people are sick of. Let me tell you what, if we're going to lose the next generation, we're, we're, we're going to do that because we have prayerless church services. We have empty altar calls. We have faithless church people. I'm, I'm not blaming us or saying this, but I'm saying if you want to lose the next generation, have them come up and brag about the glory of God. God is faithful and God is real and God is awesome and God can do the impossible and God can God shut the mouths of lions and, and, and God can raise up people and God can free people from addiction. And they're like, what? It's like, and this is mom and dad. Yeah, look at, look at there. Ooh. You know, we, we try to manufacture it. And I know that's what the prophets of Baal were doing, but I tell you, that's the same thing that Christians do as well. We try so hard to, to replace this working of the Spirit of God with the things that we manufacture and try to make happen. And then all of a sudden, after a while, our youth group comes back and just says, I don't know, I don't get the big deal. Why should I wake up every Sunday morning to come to this? Like, I, I'm, I'm just seeing people sick and not being healed. 
I'm seeing people stuck in addictions. I'm seeing church services that it's just, it's practice, but there's no touch of God. I, I can hear preaching and I can hear a three-point outline, outline and I can see a great graphic that goes with it, but nothing that moved me out of my seat to make me fall to my knees. Do, do you know what I'm saying? We can, we can build altars all day long. We can put our efforts and our abilities and we can even talk about it all day long. Let me tell you about that. Let me just like tell stories and everything like that. But they're not just looking for a God of the past. They're looking for the God of the future, the God of the present. God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And they dressed it and they took the bullock that was given to them and they dressed it and they called on the name of Baal from morning until evening saying, Oh, Baal, hear us. Can you imagine their desperation? This is one thing that we don't totally understand. They truly, truly, really, really, really wanted it. I, I, I'm going to tell you, kids that are falling out of church, it's not just, they're not getting out of church because they don't want God. They just don't want dead religion. Did you guys hear me? You show me something real. You, you show them something to believe in and things, I, I promise you, will draw them in. Nobody wants something dead. And, and by the way, you give me a church that doesn't pray and I'll show you a dead church. And I know I'm emphasizing that over and over again, but that, that's what separated the two was the, uh, was the touch and the power of God. But there was no voice nor any that answered and they leaped upon the altar which they had made and they cried aloud and they cut themselves after the matter of knives and lancets until the blood gushed out of them. You talk about desperate. You say, wow, they were, they were messed up. No, all they wanted, please, please hear us. I, I need you. You have no idea how bad I need you. If somebody's going to cut and, and start cutting themselves, saying, what do I have to do to get your attention? What do I have to do to feel alive? What do I have to do to get through this? What do I have to do to say to you to wake up to hear me? The world is desperate. And you guys get the application. They were self-destructing themselves, trying to get through something. So is the world around us today. If I hear no voice from heaven and I have nothing that intervenes in my situation, they'll do something stupid or something desperate to be able to get the attention or feel alive or feel something. It came to pass at midday was past that they prophesied into the time of the offering of the evening sacrifice. And there was neither a voice nor any that answered, nor any that regarded. Nothing happened. People don't just throw their lives away. They just walk away from things that don't work. I'm going to ask you this question. Can you see the desperate condition around us? In church, I'm being real. I'm saying I can even come at Fellowship Baptist Church and go through services that were great services and well practiced out, but I don't always experience like a touch of God. Just being real. Saying, are you saying that that's probably your fault? Yes, it's probably a lot of times it was my fault. I probably wasn't spiritually where I needed to be to be able to, to do that because I went through the motions of what I was supposed to do. But I'm sick of it. I, I, I don't want to go through the motions. I don't want to spin the fan. I want God. I want, I want my kids to want to go to church, not because they were raised in church and I taught them better. I want them to go in church because there's a fire in their heart and they're drawn back to truth because they know it's real. Yeah. I, I want our youth group to grow because of the fact is they find a place that they get help, not because it was a fun place to play games. 
I, 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 want our, I want our choir to grow because people enjoy being in the presence of God to worship God, not just because it's fun to sing with other people. Am I making sense to anybody? It's, it's, it's something when, when the Spirit of God shows up on something, when there's a touch of God that shows up on it, everything changes. Everything changes. Here's Elijah. He sees this great opportunity. Because I'm here to magnify the Lord. I'm here. As a, I, I, I know that there's a God in Israel. I know that there's a real God. I know that he answers prayers. I know that he moves. I know that he does all these things. And the thing is, my job is this. This is what I'm supposed to do. Even in the heathen that are sitting there doing that, I, I was like, I know something you don't know. Let me point to it. Whether it's in ICU or whether it's in your house or your school, our job is to point the truth, to magnify God. Even in the desperate situations where the altar was broke down and they're standing there all disarray and all this, stood there and they were just in a mess. In every situation and cancer, God can be glorified. In the, in the hurts that you're facing, God can be the healer. In your broken marriage, God can be the healer. When you stop and just say, God, I need you to show up in this. And everybody around you begins to watch and see that something happening that man can't do. Notice what happens. This opportunity. And Elijah said unto the people, come near unto me. And all the people came near unto him. And he repaired the altar of the Lord that was broken down. They were in a mess Broken down, you think about that. You talk to somebody and say, tell me about your life. It's a mess. It's all broken. How did it happen? I did it, man. I did it. You know what what Elijah's answer to that situation was? Come here. Come here. Do you know why I'm so much praying for God to do something in my son? Because I'm sick of cancer winning all the time. I'm sick of it. I am so fed up with, with, with just getting to the end of situations and just, it can be so defeating at times until God said, and God had hold of my arm and just said, what if, what if I showed up in that? What if you wanted me to be glorified in that? What, what if your goal through this and through this, I, I want my kids, I want Jordan, Morgan, and Logan to see Jesus. I want them to see this in this situation. I, I want them to know that there, there might be that out there and there's dead religion, but let me tell you about my God. Let me tell you about something that's real and something that shows up and something that makes a difference. You see, Elijah just looked at it and says, wait a minute, I have an opportunity to do my job to glorify God. And by the way, God wants to be glorified through us. He wants Christians that believe in who he is and his character and power and his presence and his change and his healing and his provision. He's just waiting for some weirdos to show up and say, go ahead and douse water on it. Tell me it's impossible and I'll tell you who does the impossible. That's what he's waiting on. To show up in those dead situations. He said, come near, come here. Let me see. I'm doing this. I I told Bryce, I said, I want you to make a big deal anytime you can pray in the youth group. Because I I, I want this, when it comes to this situation, for the world around us and our teens to be able to say, come see. Just come see. Here's Elijah doing this. And it came to pass that the first, uh, at the time of the offering and the evening sacrifice that Elijah the prophet came near and he said, Lord, 
God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, or in Israel. You know what he's doing by then? He's pointing back. Isn't that good? He says, and, and he said, the Lord God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. God, I know what you did in the past. But I'm not just okay with what you've done in the past because I know you can do it now. See, I, I, I love celebrating our past. But I'm all about praising God, singing, do it again, do it again, do it again. Now notice what his desire was. You say, how does God work to get glory in these situations? Let it be known this day. You know what I love about it? He said, this day. I said, Lord, I'm praying right now. Thank you for Abraham and Isaac. But I want you right now. You remember when we were talking about, I want to see your face? Literally, that's, that, that's, I want you right here with me. Lord, I want you to show up. I want to see the face of God. May your face shine upon me. That song and all the verses in the Bible that talk about, I want to see you, not a story, not a picture, not a myth, and not the past. I want you here with me in this situation. Let them be known this day that thou art God in Israel. You are the glory that we're looking for. You are the healer, the change. You are the promise. You are the rock. You are all these things that make up the glory of God. You are the father that I run to. You are the good shepherd that carries me. And that I am thy servant. And I have done all these things at your word. I have a question for you that can change everything. Do you desire to experience the glory of God? Verse 37. Hear me, O Lord. Hear me. It was just desire. My people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face. I just want it. I want it. I want it. I want it. I want it. Don't tell me we want it when we don't move. Don't tell me we want it when we don't pray. Don't tell me we want it when Netflix gets more time than God. Don't tell me we want it when ball games get more attention than the glory of God. For where your treasure is, there is your heart also. We can say it all day long, but I'll tell you, actions speak louder than words. I'll tell you what you want in life. It's whatever you're running after. It's whatever consumes your time. It's whatever you kneel before, whatever gets your time and money. The question is, do we ask for it? Hear me, O Lord, hear me, that this people may know that thou art the God, the Lord God, and thou hast turned their hearts back again. And let me show you, God is a God of action, and God expects faith. It's not just a matter of doing this. Here the the prophets of Baal were dancing on this altar. They're dancing on the altar, screaming and yelling from this. Do you remember where they're asking the fire to fall? They're, They're dancing on the target zone. You see, when God never shows up, you can put on a good show, but it's a matter of, you know, why are we dancing on the altar? It's never happened before. Just go with it. You know, you know here they are in that very spot. But let me show you what happens in this story right here. Elijah the prophet came near and said, Lord God of Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, there was an expectation. God, you're going to do something. It's faith. You realize that we're, we're, we're claiming faith. Lord, I'm claiming your presence. I know you're going to provide. I know you're going to work. I know you're going to do something. You know why? Because when your glory shows up, that's just what happens. That is just who you are. 
you know, like Torn Wells, do what you're famous for, God. That, 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 that's who you are. That's how you work. Call unto me and I will answer thee and show thee great mighty things that thou knowest not. Then, this is the whole main point. Let me show you. This all wraps around. What does the power of the, the, the word of God and the power of the glory of God do? And then the fire fell and the fire of the Lord fell. The presence of God showed up. That, that something happened there that did not and could not happen just by man. When God shows up, you don't have the question, did God show up? Yes, God showed up. I promise you, you'll know it when God shows up. And consume the burnt sacrifices and the wood, okay, and the stones. What? The fire consumed the stones and the dust and licked up the water that was in the trench. What kind of fire knocks out water? I'm not talking about evaporation either here. I'm talking about, instead it literally licked it up in the spot. You see, when God shows up, he does what man cannot do. When God shows up in a church service, or God shows up in your life, or God shows up in your prayer life, or God shows up in your broken marriage, or God shows up in your addiction, God does what man cannot do. This is the power of God. Get the application of this. The fire fell and consumed it all. When God answers big prayers, when we see a touch of God, and I, and hey, let me just show this. You guys already know what I'm doing. This is the difference between dead religion and the power of prayer. This is where we ask God, hear me, oh God, hear me. This is where we kneel, this is where we praise, we seek and we ask and we knock. And the Bible times it says, you have not because you ask not. Because in our lives when we're constantly, and I'm, I'm tired of this, like, you need to come to church. Okay, Dad. All right. We're going to church on Sunday. Dad, it's like, I want you, were you paying attention in church, Dad? I was the, you, know, you know what I'm talking about? Constantly. We're, I want to get my lost friends. I was like, I can't believe you guys get up every Sunday morning for this. But you see, the Bible says, let me read the verse. I'm getting ahead of myself. When the people saw it, they fell on their faces and they said, the Lord, he is God. The Lord, he is God. It doesn't say when, and when Elijah twisted their arm enough and said, you really need to get the church. When the people saw it, they fell on their faces and they said, the Lord, he is God. The Lord, he is God. You want to see a difference? It's when we tap into the power of God and all of a sudden our kids show up to hear a prayer about a desperate situation of somebody having cancer. I'm, I'm, I'm talking about when kids show up or the next generation or the lost or your friends or whatever, they walk into a church service like this and all of a sudden, nobody's sitting there asking the question or manipulating or spinning it or, or trying to make it happen. All of a sudden, they said, the Lord, he is God because they experienced something that only God could do. There was an anointing. There was a touch. There was a change. There's a fire, there's conviction, there's worship. That is the glory of God. And the Bible says that they responded to it. They fell down on it. They were praising God in that moment, saying, the Lord, he is God. See, the difference is, what do we want in our lives? See, one is dead, and sometimes we manipulate it. But the other one is when we tap into the power of God and God shows up in the character and the love. He's saying, Dad, Mom, what's going on? I told you, we pray to a mighty God and we ask the mighty God and God shows up to do what man cannot do. 
just asking you, which one do you want? But it might take some people that are a little odd that are willing to step out of the norm and when people say, fire doesn't eat rocks, fire doesn't consume rocks, that's not possible, all this other stuff. I don't, I'm, I'm, not, I'm sick of the lies of the devil. I'm sick of all these things. God doesn't work that way and there's no such thing as revival in this day and age. Those are lies. Mom and dad, stop listening to lie. Our kids can be on fire for God. There can be revival in our churches and revival in our youth groups and change in our hearts. God can restore marriages. God can break addictions. God is still able to do that. We just can't do it by ourselves. We need the power of God. We need the glory of God to show up and show off in a way that man cannot do.